0: Welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. Today's episode comes in two parts. It's kind of about themed races, and you'll see what I'm talking about shortly. The first part is about a race I did over the weekend um, called the Taco Loco, and it was held out at the Land Heritage Institute, which is little bit south of San Antonio, not too far from where I work, actually, and um, it was the first time they've had this race there, and it's put on by Trail Racing over Texas, and uh, it was quite an adventure, and um, I learned a couple of things, and uh, yeah, so let's just get into it. So our race director was dressed as a taco on Saturday morning. Next to him stood a guy dressed as a taco truck. More on that in a bit. It was about 46 degrees and a sliver of moon shone above not unlike a skinny taco shell and it was a theme for sure the inaugural el taco loco race held south of san antonio on some land featuring open prairies a river and woodlands people ran 100k 62 miles 50k 31 miles 25k 15 and a half 10k six ish and 5k three ish had to do the math for a second. Uh, And it's on this fast, sort of flattish course. And finishers got a wooden taco medal, but the 100K finishers really got a cool thing. They got a taco belt buckle with a taco holder built into it. (laughs) And then Rob Goyan of the taco costume gave us 25 cares, a rundown of the route, which for me went in one ear and out the other because I cannot follow instructions that go past three items. (laughs) Uh but the biggest thing of note was his declaration that there are only four good weather running days in Texas and that this was one of them. And then he described the remainder as hot, hotter and fucking hot. We all chuckled. Some were bundled up like babushkas, some were dressed like regular runners like me, and a few wore taco outfits. Well, it is going to be Halloween, Uh, and a good third of the people, though, had forgotten their headlamps, so it was sort of a jumbly mess, as those without struggled to see in the darkness after we took off. And then we all violated one of the cardinal rules of trail running. Don't follow the person ahead of you, because they may not know where they're going. So about a half mile in, we all made this left turn and ended up on the stretch of land that was littered with freshly chopped tree branches and tree stumps, and it made running a hellish experience in the darkness, even if you had a headlamp. And then a few minutes later, a wall of headlamps came toward us. What the hell? Someone shouted that we were all going the wrong way. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of how I picture lemmings about to run off of a cliff and then suddenly retreat. I grumbled about having to retrace our path through the blown out remains of what used to be a forest and I consoled myself with the fact that at least there weren't rocks to trip over. My friend, Mary Kay, one of the faster ones who charged with the pack, was now running next to me because of the turnaround. She was using an interval timer of four minutes running, one walking. It sounded perfect, and I managed to hold her pace for about five minutes, and then she and her husband, Eric, galloped ahead. And right around that time, I spotted a familiar figure just ahead. Maria, one of my favorite trail running companions, and she was running and hiking with Roy, and they were doing the 50K. I kind of felt bad because I had abandoned her, sort of, uh, when I made a late decision to drop down to the 25K, because we had trained together for much of the time and planned to stick together for the race and I was really glad that she had a companion. We chatted a little and then I ran ahead and I was very glad that I hadn't gotten too bundled up because I had on a thin tank underneath a thin long sleeve shirt and it was perfect. I felt a little sorry for people who were in coats, hats, and gloves because they had to stop and take them off and stuff the gear into their hydration vests or tie their coats around their waists. And after a short spell of running on the concrete greenway, I saw a few of my training buddies pass, and we shouted encouragement to each other. And then we entered a section that was framed by a pair of wooden doors and do not enter signs on them. (laughs) Ha! That was for the regular people. For the races, signs with arrows beckoned us onward. As I rounded a curb, I started to see a bunch of people standing around the guy in the taco truck costume. The truck was a red painted box with wheels and open windows, and he wore it like a sandwich board and he had a portable, soft-sided warming chest filled with tacos. A dry erase board indicated the kinds of tacos he had, and the prices ranged from $3 to $6. While this might be a dream come true for trail runners who fantasize about finding a taco truck on the trail, the subsequent lack of cash presented a problem, and I'm still not sure if he was giving them away or the whiteboard was just part of the gag. He did draw, draw quite a crowd. Speaking of nutrition, I was glad that I had opted to wear my hydration vest as the aid stations were about five miles apart. Except on the route that I ended up on, I didn't get to the first one until seven and a half miles in. I asked what mile the station was, and a guy in a cowboy hat adorned with a belt buckle said it was mile 10 ish. And then he mentioned that a lot of people coming through were short on mileage, and one of the volunteers said that we'd probably have to make up the mileage at the end. (sighs) Great. Apparently, we missed an out-and-back early in the course, and that would explain why I noticed people coming at us, but we ended up not going back that same way. After that news, I started wondering how I was supposed to make up the mileage. I know you can get disqualified if you don't run the race route, and so I hatched a plan with some ladies in the same situation. We'd get almost to the finish and then turn around and make up the mileage. Some people were like, eh, he's not going to care. He's got our money. He'll just give us a medal. I mulled over the options and my latent Catholic guilt and one, just suck it up and get the missing mileage. And not long after, I followed a man and a woman through a really weird part of the woods, and we had to hop over a tree lying on the ground. They stopped ahead looking around. Where were the green course flags? We stuck together and happened upon a couple of ladies who were coming from the other way. And we worked it out that we'd missed a turn, so we had to double back. Well, at least I was getting some additional mileage, so it would have less to make up. It was then that I dubbed the race El Corso Loco. Everyone, it seemed, got lost, turned around or missed parts. And I hung with the woman uh, who had the same mileage as me and we chatted a little while and then I ran ahead. I spotted Maria and Roy, this time they were ahead of me. How did that happen? Because they were behind me (laughs) when I left them before. (laughs) We compared mileage and they had almost two miles more than me. I explained what had happened and what I planned to do and then they ran ahead sorry about my cat. (laughs) I felt like the course would never end. I got faked out about two miles from the finish when I saw Scott, one of my training coaches, heading out for a second loop of the 50k. But then the course wound around and continued until I was in what seemed like a field that had been freshly mowed. Two women passed in the opposite direction. Are you making up lost mileage? I asked. Yeah. So it turns out I was about a half mile to the finish. So I I plotted on until I got to a fence that was within eye shot of the finish. And then I was about at 14.3 miles. I turned around and ran about 0.7 miles out. I was freaking out people because they thought they were going in the wrong way when they saw me and I explained what was going on, and a pack of women spotted me, and we talked about their missing mileage, and they agreed that they would turn around and double back once they got closer to the finish, and I thought it was interesting that only women were doing this. Not saying anything, but just saying. In the end, I trotted over the finish line in three hours and 57 minutes. I felt good about my time, and it wasn't a particularly fast race for me, but considering the detours, I did okay. And then I spotted Maria as she was getting ready to head out for her final loop. She looked good and was in positive spirits. And I know it had to be hard going back out there when her training companion had already finished. And I don't disparage anyone who didn't make up the missing mileage, but we all learned a lesson that day. Run your own race and don't follow a pack unless you're certain they're in the right direction. Indeed. That was the first time I think I've ever had to do that, so it's kind of weird, kind of weird. Anyway, part two coming up. This is uh, called Dumbest Idea Ever, a.k.a. Die Hard at the Power Lines. This happened about two years ago. I got an email in late January that had the subject line, Dumbest Idea Ever. I had to look. It was from Edward Sosa, a guy I've never met, but is part of San Antonio's premier trail running group, the Rockhoppers. He was proposing a fat ass, trail runner speak for self-supported. Uh, at the end of March, at this place called the Power Lines, and it's this rocky, steep, hellish, three-mile out-and-back west of town. Its unmarked cuts through a ritzy golf course and a bunch of neighborhoods with expensive homes. There's also a long spine of Power Lines along the way, Oh, and there's more than 1,300 feet of elevation gain in six miles. (gasps) It's a favorite spot for the hardcore trail runners in these parts, and the event would feature the following, Die Hard Six Hours. Die Harder, 12 hours. Die Hardest, with a Vengeance, 24 hours. Essentially, you pick the amount of time that you wanted and would attempt as many out-and-backs as you could finish within the allotted time. I'd only run, if that's what you want to call it, out there a handful of times, and I finished the Six Mile Loop once. As soon as I saw Edward's makeshift event flyer, I was sold. It features Bruce Willis's face superimposed over these flaming... Uh, power line towers in the uh, overlooking the city of San Antonio. It's, it's pretty hilarious. And the headline reads 24 hours of sheer adventure. <laughs> oh gosh. I signed up for only six hours. <laughs> only. It's like that adage about ultra runners if there's a longer distance, say 100K, and you're doing half, you say you're only doing the 50K. This mindset bewilders most folks, but we honestly feel like we're slacking if we pick the lesser distance. Still, I knew my limits. To prep for this event? (laughs) Who am I kidding? I didn't. When I first moved to San Antonio, I spent solo weekends clambering on rocks and hills at various local parks and my pace suffered. A few months ago, frustrated with my inability to move at a pace that wasn't completely embarrassing, I discovered some of the flattish parks and trails and my speed improved. Well, for me. But I hadn't done any rocky hill running since Bandera 25K in January, and I finished in over five hours, which was one of my slowest races to date. And Friday afternoon before the race, I picked up some snacks and began looking for water bottles for my hydration vest. And I half-heartedly stuffed a gel and some Honey Stinger chews in a pocket. I also picked up this new sports drink called Sword. It was billed as less sweet than my go-to tailwind. And these powders mix with water and provide electrolytes and calories, yada yada, so you don't need to bring food um, during a long workout. I have trouble eating when I'm running in the heat, so I figured this stuff was worth a try. Oh, and there was an improved race flyer that surpassed the first one. Yeah, this one uh, had the power lines and a helicopter flying above it, and... Yeah, it was, ugh, it was pretty epic. But anyway, you'd have to see it. So the night before the race, Edwards sent out an email informing us of the few details that there were. And one of my favorites was this. First person to arri- to arrive is the official time person that says when it's time to run. Second person to arrive is the official race photographer. I do love the, the humor of the rock hoppers. Despite my attempts to cajole my flatlander friends uh, from my former stomping grounds in the Rio Grande Valley, I only had two takers, Ben and Sercon. They arrived on Saturday afternoon, and we packed up my vehicles with coolers, lawn chairs, water, and half the snack aisle from REI and headed west about 20 minutes away. The day was warm and sunny, and I wondered how Edward, the loon, 24 hour and the 12-hour folks were doing. We unloaded our gear at the base of the first climb, drove to a Lutheran school parking lot about a quarter mile away, and then hoofed it back to the start. I spotted Mary Kay, a familiar face from other races, and we exchanged greetings. And as I sized up the group, I figured she might make a good running buddy. A couple of minutes past six, about a dozen or so of us assembled at the start. A strip of asphalt with a pile of rocks that spelled out, Welcome to the party, pals. <laughs> um, then there was a countdown, and then there was a honk from what sounded like a Japanese vehicle. And then we were off. I was about a tenth of a mile in when I realized that I'd left my headlamp behind. And I turned around, snatched it from my bag, and wrapped the strap around my wrist. I figured I could make it back in under two hours and before dark, but I didn't want to take any chances. And that little delay firmly ensured my position as the caboose. It was in the 80s, and the sun was a good hour and 45 minutes from setting, and and the heat was already making me uncomfortable. I ran as much as I could, trying to catch Mary Kay. About a mile and a half in, she turned around and headed back toward me. Are you done, I asked. Yeah, I'm just doing it for time today, 30 minutes out, 30 minutes back. I'm going to the bar, she said. (laughs) I was bummed to lose a potential running companion and thought her choice of going to a bar was far wiser than the rest of us marching on rocks all night. My attitude was sunny and upbeat, nonetheless, as I ran and hiked the course. People were cordial as they passed. Many of them knew my name and hollered it at me as they passed. Edward, a wiry and soft-spoken guy with a beard, was inspirational. He was encouraging as he passed, and I marveled at his ability to be out there for 24 hours looking perky. I finished the first loop in under two hours, which was fast compared to how long it had taken me earlier. And I initially planned to do three loops, but with the impending darkness, I moved my expectations back to two and a half and then finally two loops. Don Flynn, this tall, slender guy in his 60s, was one of the 12-hour runners, and he was behind me for a while as I started on the second loop. And he was aiming at 30 miles, and I was embarrassed just for shooting for 12 at this point. But I couldn't seem to nimbly travel over the rocks in the dark, so I settled on hiking it. As I ventured down the trail, Don hollered that I needed to veer left instead of right. and I, I had made that same mistake a few months ago, and I was grateful that he pointed it out from here else I'd probably still be out there. Kidding. It wasn't long before he passed me, his hiking poles ringing a little as they hit the rocks. I saw two figures approaching me. Donna? It was Ben and Sercon. I was surprised they were already heading back from Loop 2. Ben explained that they planned to do one more and then call it a night, and I told them my plan. A little way before the three-mile turnaround, I spotted Tom and Michelle, who were agilely making their way through the course with hiking poles. We said hello, and then Michelle suggested I turn around and hang with them, as it was kind of creepy to be out there alone. I was grateful for the company, but it wasn't long before they were way ahead of me. I think I need to consider hiking poles for this kind of terrain, because people who had them seemed to be making better time along the rocks. I was starting to feel a little nauseous and dizzy, and I hadn't really eaten anything, and my only calories were coming from that sword, which just really wasn't enough. And as much as I am a veteran of longer distances and summer heat, I still haven't quite found that magic combination that will keep me from bonking. And then about three quarters of a mile from the finish, I ran into Ben again. He was springing down the trail effortlessly. He said Serkan had hurt his knee and dropped, and he said he would be as efficient as he could and try not to make us wait too long. As I finally finished, there was a group of guys sitting around the finish line, and they were sharing race stories and talking about upcoming races. Runners came in and cheerfully went back out for one more loop, even though it was getting late. And then a couple showed up around 10.30 p.m. The female half announced that they were drunk. Very drunk. And apparently, they just returned from the free Final Four concert downtown, as they thought they'd cap off the night with a power lines loop. Edward, who'd materialized after taking a nap after logging over 70 miles, asked how I liked it. I really did. It was a challenge and I would totally do it again. Next time I need to prepare a little more. Yeah, so I was gonna do that one again this year and I did not. Power lines are, yeah, pretty crazy. It's a legendary place. You know, if you're in San Antonio area, this is kind of, you know, where you take your out-of-town friends to (laughs) show them the, um, what they're missing down in the flatlands of the valley, and uh, yeah, it's personally I, you know, I can kind of live without it because I usually just have to hike the whole thing. And last time I was out there was a few months ago, and I, I did take some hiking poles out there, and it worked. It was really pretty handy. Um, the only problem is, is I have a hard time running with the poles because they don't fold up or anything. So I got the, I mean, they were sixty bucks, but they, you know, they're not particularly. Um, portable so yeah so lessons learned on both of those experiences and yeah I have another race this weekend I swear to god it's like all I do is pay for races and why Donna has no money Um, the one I'm doing this weekend is held at Government Canyon and it's called Run the Recharge and it's a fundraiser for Friends of Government Canyon which is one of our state parks and that's a pretty epic place I have not run out there in god Almost two years, it's crazy. And um so I know that's gonna be quite the race. And then later that evening, this is kind of fun, um, I'm going to Austin with some other trail runners and we are gonna go here comes a plug for another podcast. Um, we are gonna go uh hang out at Austin Trail Running Company, this shoe store or trail running store. So yay. And they're going to host the taping of the Ten Junk Miles podcast. Uh, hosted by Scott Coomer. Shout out. Yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't met him before and I have some friends that have and I listen to his podcast all the time and he's one of my favorite podcasters and just interesting people. And and who knows, maybe that's what the podcast will be about next time is about watching a podcast being recorded. I know it sounds like watching paint dry, but actually it's kind of fun. Um, I can't imagine anybody wanting to watch me do mine. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Anyway, that's all I've got for now. So I'll see you next time.